evening everyone and thank you David it's been just good to slow down uh, and I realise we may be here a little bit longer but then we've no service next week so it's two for the price of one uh, tonight as David has said we are starting this new series and for a change and we haven't done one of these for a while it is a thematic series and uh, in other words we're not going to take a, a book of the Bible or a text and work our way through it Instead, we're going to think about a particular issue, a particular theme. Now, what we say will, I hope, reflect biblical values. And at certain times, I am going to refer to specific Old and New Testament passages. But this this may be a little different. Uh, It may raise more questions than provide answers. Uh, I will say a lot, but maybe not enough for some of you. Uh, It may appear a little lighter, although I hope not lightweight. Uh, But summer Sunday evenings, and we've only four of these together over the next two months, uh, but summer uh, Sunday evenings are a bit different, and I think they give us a chance to just do this. So what I want to do is, right at the very start, I want to start with where I'm going to end. And here's the last thing I'm going to say tonight by way of summary, so you could maybe just hear this bit and then just drift off. Slow down, dance to a new rhythm. Rediscover Sabbath, not only the day, but also the attitude. And learn to live each day well. Now, I wonder if you can remember and can identify with this quote. Now here you see, it takes all the running you can do just to keep in the same place. If you want to get somewhere else, you must run at least twice as fast. So said the Red Queen in Alice in Wonderland. And for many of us and many in our culture, this is so true. This is our experience. We are busy people living busy lives. And yet we sense or we know, we don't just sense, we know that it can't be good for us. And it isn't. And whenever every waking hour is filled or is crammed with activity, there's something wrong. And eventually something will go wrong. And a recent survey announced the rather grim statistic that as well as working longer hours than they used to 30 years ago, people sleep on average two hours less per night. And all the gizmos and the gadgets that were supposed to have saved us time have only succeeded in raising expectations of how quickly people should respond and about how much more they should pack into each day. And I came across this during the week Have a listen and see if you can agree with this. Of all the things that were supposed to save us time, but actually has ended up demanding that we fit more things into the same finite number of hours available, surely email has the most to answer for. Not only does it demand attention, expecting me to do more and more, it robs me of time to reflect. It always wants an instantaneous response. It has not given me more time. It has filled my finite time with more things. Is that too strong? Or is that too right? And now we have mobiles where we can have our emails on the go. Either way, whether that's too strong or too right, there's no denying that modern life is busy and it is demanding. And therefore lots of us find ourselves in a constant hurry continually rushing around 
never getting to the end of that to-do list, always finding one more problem that needs to be sorted, one more text message that needs to be sent, one more expectation to meet, one more decision to take, one more person to see, one more event to attend, one more shop to call at, one more website to visit, one more essay to write, assignment to research, presentation to prepare, journey to make, and you could go on and you could go on and you could go on. And yes, all part and parcel of 21st century life. It is. But something is not quite right whenever we consistently find that there just aren't enough hours in a day. And so we find ourselves coming out with that phrase, that expression of frustration, that other so-called mantra of our age, if only I had more time. And isn't it true that much of what we get stressed about and uptight about comes down to the fact that we didn't have or we don't have enough time? Mark Buchanan, as uh, some of you know, is one of my favorite writers. And uh, he wrote this a few years ago. Someone asked me recently, what is my biggest regret in life? I thought for a moment. Surveying the vast and cluttered landscape of my blunders and my losses, the evil I had done and the evil that's been done to me. Being in a hurry, I said. Pardon? Being in a hurry. Getting to the next thing without fully entering the thing in front of me. I cannot think of a single advantage I've ever gained from being in a hurry. But a thousand broken and missed things, tens of thousands, lie in the wake of all that rushing. Through all that haste, I thought I was making up time. Turns out, I was throwing it away. I don't know if that rings true for you, but it does for me. And what's the result of all that hurry and all that rushing? What's the reality of life in the fast lane? It's just exhaustion. And one of the things I do is I I meet and I talk to so many people, self-included, and yes, I do talk to myself, but who are wrung out, wrung out physically, emotionally, spiritually. They're wrecked. They're shattered. They can't wait for a holiday. They need a holiday. And holidays are great because we take the foot off the pedal, we relax, and as we reach the end of our two-week break, we're left wondering, why on earth do I live the way I do? Ever been there? And so you return home and you convince yourself that this time, this year, We really are going to crack this busyness, this living life at breakneck speed thing. But do we? How long is it before everything kicks off again and we find ourselves running just to keep up? Maybe longing for, or is this slightly more dangerous, living for our next holiday? What is life? If full of care, we have no time to stand and stare. It's a great question. But one of the very real dangers in all of this is that we find ourselves being shaped by our schedules. And then as Ian Stackhouse writes, life is a series of schedules to be adhered to rather than a rhythm of grace to dance to. What is your life like? Do you ever feel like you're living to a series of schedules? We need to slow down. We need to take a deep breath and revisit some ancient wisdom. Drastic action may be required. Let me read you uh, something from a book that I highly recommend. 
in speaking about the need to slow down. It's a book by Stephen Cottrell, who's the new Bishop of Chelmsford, and this is what he says. Drastic action is needed. So chuck out the instant coffee. It's not just that it tastes horrible. I want back the time it robbed me of. The superficial attraction of its speed didn't save me time. It just encouraged me to cram more in. What people need in their lives are things that slow them down. Labor-creating devices. Time-wasting strategies. That's what I'm after. They will generate opportunities for stillness and reflection. So here are some crazy things to consider. Don't make tea by dunking a tea bag in a mug. Buy some proper tea. And warm the pot. Spoon in the tea carefully, let it mash. Observe the little rituals that used to be commonplace and that reward you with two or three minutes of simply having to wait. In fact, try not to buy instant anything. It usually tastes ghastly anyway. Instead, choose the things that take time. Like real tea, real coffee, made in a way that requires effort and attention to detail and which forces you to pause and also to wait and to appreciate and to care. Throw away that electric razor which allows you to shave on the hoof and buy an old-fashioned shaving brush, some shaving cream, a razor blade, and do it that way. Keep to the speed limit. Only drive in the slow lane of a dual carriageway and a motorway for the next week. Join the longest queue in the supermarket. You could go on and you could go on. Something about the very thought of it. There are other suggestions that he makes. I've added a couple in there, but I think you get the picture. And he finishes up by saying this. Never speak of wasting time or spending time. Rather, say you're enjoying it or you're giving it away freely. Never say you've an hour to kill. Rather, say you've an hour to revive, to bring to life, to ravish. That's so good. Brilliant. And although it sounds far too idealistic, out of reach, there's something about things like this that resonate with us, that appeal. And so the title for this short Sunday evening series is Slow Down, You're Moving Too Fast. Because I thought it would be really good, really helpful to use four summer Sunday evenings that we have together here in this place at this time to just reflect and revisit the subjects of rest and Sabbath. Because Sabbath gives us that permission that God-given permission to slow down, to stop, to stare. Because Sabbath is actually a God-given gift that has the ability to restore us, to restore our bodies, to restore our minds, to even restore our souls. Constant busyness has the potential to kill you at so many levels. And hurry sickness is an increasing problem. It's a debilitating illness in our day and age. And unless we rediscover and we restore Sabbath, then there are going to be more and more casualties who end up skimming life. And often when you're really, really busy, that's often what it feels like you're doing. You're just skimming life. Living thin lives. Constantly feeling that time is passing you by. Is it really July I wonder how many of us have said that this week. I know I have. So during this series, we're going to look at the importance of... uh, Now, this is not all by way of intro. We're halfway through, okay, so don't panic. (laughs) Uh, So during the series, we are going to look at the importance of stopping to think and to find a center. 
we are going to think about the need to stop and play. I'm going to do a sermon on play. Now, that might be an interesting thought. It is one that I have shared in another context. I have to confess that I did get in a bit of trouble over it. And so what I propose is doing it the very last Sunday before I go on holiday. Uh, and, so, and then we're also going to, we're also going to look at uh, how work fits in. Specifically, we're going to touch on that tonight, but we're going to look at that in more detail at one stage. But for this evening, what I really just want to do is, in, in the last sort of ten minutes or so, I want to lay down some foundations on which to build as we continue to think about these issues. And I'd like to start with the beginning of time or at least time as we know it, and with the character of God, because it's, it's so important that we start there. Now I know that, that God lives outside of time, and yet he did create it, and he works within it. And in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, the creation narratives as they're known, we discover a God of rhythm. There is a rhythm to those chapters, to those texts, and to the way that God operates, because they're divided into chunks of time. There was evening, and there was morning the first day, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day, and so on. Incidentally, it's really interesting to note that, biblically speaking, a day doesn't begin with the morning, but with the evening. That means that the first thing you do every day is sleep. Just a thought. But there is structure, there's pattern, there's routine to creation. And, and those are things that, that lots of us need in our lives. And maybe somewhere here and would say, yeah, I know people who need more structure, more pattern, more routine. But I want to notice as well that God doesn't rush creation. It's really interesting. He, he could have done it all in a day and a moment, but he didn't. Instead, God built in time to reflect and to think and to weigh up and to measure. And so it says, and God saw that it was good. And then he did some more. And he stood back and he saw that it was good. And then he did some more and he stood back and he saw that it was good. So there was work and then there was reflection. And then finally and crucially, God rested. So on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day, we read in Genesis. And he made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And the climax of the, the creation liturgy is not the creation of man and woman, which is sometimes how, how we hear it being talked about. We are at one level the pinnacle of creation, but the actual climax of the creation liturgy is the blessing of the seventh day, the day of rest. Rest was part and parcel of this rhythm, a necessary part and parcel of it. And so within these opening chapters of even Genesis, we discover something about the character of God, the character of the Creator, that if you like, must impact His creation. It's a rhythm to what God does. Work, reflection, rest. And we have been made, as we know, in the image of God. And so it says God created human beings in his own image. And therefore we require pattern and we require structure and we require routine. We need to take time to reflect, to consider, to review what we're doing, to stand and measure how are we doing in our lives. But we need Sabbath. We need time out. Or should we call it time in? In order to rest, in order to be restored, in order to be refreshed, in order to be regenerated, re-energized. And it's interesting, and David's made this point, how Adam and Eve's first day on planet Earth was a day off. 
It's an incredible thing to think about. Their first day on planet Earth was a day off. And so what happened is they worked from a place of rest. They worked from a place of rest. And so maybe our rhythm is slightly different. We need to rest and then work and then reflect and then rest and then work and then reflect. And so Sabbath needs to be part of the way we live. God modeled it. And then later on, as we know, he commanded it. Now, not as a burden to bear, but as a necessity to enjoy. Although for some of us, and I realize this, for some of us, we may need to deal with our rather negative view of Sabbath that has been ingrained into us for various reasons. I don't know, whenever you hear the word Sabbath, what sort of thoughts immediately spring to mind? But what I want us to see during this short series is that actually keeping Sabbath is a form of mending. Mark Buchanan describes it. He says, he calls it the mortar in the joints. Because unless we keep Sabbath, we break far too easily. You see, we are made from dust. And as Paul so rightly observes, we're just clay pots. And therefore, although we may be hard, we're also brittle. And so Sabbath-keeping might just hold us together. It might just keep us from falling apart. But apart from potentially falling apart and becoming increasingly exhausted, what else happens to you when you don't keep Sabbath? What else happens to you when you don't rest? Well, at a deeper level, not taking a Sabbath could be seen, and this is a comment for me in Stackhouse, that, that I like but that disturbs me, but not taking a Sabbath could be seen as an expression of deep ingratitude and rank infidelity, for it asserts the primacy of self over the graciousness of God. Or as Walter Brueggemann puts it so brilliantly in his commentary in Genesis, the celebration of a day of rest was then the announcement of trust in this God who is confident enough to rest. It was then, as it is now, an assertion that life does not depend upon our feverish activity or self-securing. There can be a pause in which life is given to us simply as a gift. You see, whenever we don't take Sabbath, are we effectively throwing that gift back in God's face and somehow suggesting, do you know something, God, I have found a better way to live? I have found, or I know a better way, that life in the fast lane constantly is the way forward. Or that our busyness and our hurriedness and our lack of rest is actually more fulfilling than this gift you have given us of ensuring that we take Sabbath rest on a constant basis. We need to discover a rhythm to life that our Creator intended us to have, and Sabbath is central to that rhythm. Now when I say Sabbath, I am of course talking about a day. Because Sabbath by definition means a day of rest. A particular day, one day in seven, which is decidedly different to all the other days. But Sabbath is both a day and it's an attitude. It's both a date on the calendar and it's a disposition of the heart. It's a perspective. It's an orientation. And as someone has said, you will never enter a Sabbath day without a Sabbath heart. We need both. We need the day. We need the attitude. The question is, will we ever be able to recover a Sabbath day in our culture? Or have we gone too far down a particular road 
that the chances of returning are very slim. You know, for us in in the busy Western world, it does seem that any sense of a special day of rest has long since disappeared. It's gone. Or it is certainly in the process of disappearing. One day, for many people, is just like all the rest. In fact, as someone has said, the boundaries between the different days of the week and even nowadays between night and day have been eroded. And therefore, our society has lost or it's losing that rhythm to life that is so important. Does that mean we give up? Does that mean we shut up and we buy into the culture? We just go with the flow? No, I don't think, I don't believe it does. We need to be a people who model something different. We need to be people who live countercultural lives at times. We can't force people to rest, to celebrate, to embrace Sabbath, but the reality is people need it. They desperately need it. And therefore we, the people of God, the people of this book, should hold out a way of life, a rhythm to life, a rhythm to our weeks that actually speaks to a culture about the importance of stopping, of slowing down, and of observing the Sabbath rest of God. Let me just say one more thing as we introduce this. And this may be obvious given what I've already said, but... This has got to be about more than just one day in a week. Absolutely, it's got to be. We actually need to learn how to live a day well. Each day well, because not only is this the day the Lord has made and we should rejoice and be glad in it, so is tomorrow, so is Tuesday, so is Wednesday. And if we can learn to live each day well, then surely that will help us to live the Sabbath day well, or at least better And if we learn to live each day well, then I would suggest to you that will nurture a Sabbath heart. So how do you live each day well? Three things. Prayerfully, contentedly, gratefully. Because you see, the issue is not how much one does in a day or how little one does in a day. The key issue is the manner in which you do it. And that means that even the most mundane Moments, the most mundane activities of our day can be transformed. Making a cup of tea becomes a treat. Travelling to work becomes an adventure. Cooking a meal, a voyage of discovery. Eating it, a perilous pleasure. Is that your experience? See, if it feels like life is just passing you by, the days are passing you by, And you're constantly running just to catch up. Then, slow down. Dance to a different rhythm. Rediscover Sabbath, not only the day, but also the attitude. And learn to live each day prayerfully. And we may say much more about that. Prayerfully, contentedly, and gratefully. As we close, and we're just a wee bit after ten past, so that was quite good as we close, I'm going to use uh, the 23rd Psalm for busy people. And you've, you've maybe seen this before. The Lord is my pace setter. I shall not rush. He makes me to stop and rest for quiet intervals. He provides me with images of stillness which restores my serenity. He leads me in the ways of efficiency through calmness of mind. And his guidance is my peace. Even though I have a great many things to accomplish each day, I will not fret. 
for his presence is here. His timelessness, his all importance will keep me in balance. He prepares refreshment and renewal in the midst of my activity by anointing my mind with his oils of tranquility. My cup of joyous energy overflows. Surely harmony and effectiveness shall be the fruits of my hour. For I shall walk in the peace of the Lord and dwell in his house forever. So be it.